When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans, to episode 125 of the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. As always, I'm Matt Lombardo alongside Ryan Dunleavy. We cover the Giants for NJ.com. And Ryan, we are now officially one OTA in the books, eight more practices to go. There's also the mini camp, and then we have training camp in August. But the bottom line here is, Ryan, that the entire team, the entire Giants roster is now on the field together. Rookie and veterans we got a glimpse what were some of your takeaways from the practice this week on monday well not everybody matt not the entire roster is here this is true (laughs) not the entire roster is here uh damon harrison's missing uh to me it's very strange uh this whole nfl thing is still a little strange to me because Tom Brady doesn't show up and it's the end of the world that he didn't show up to the voluntary OTAs in New England. If Odell Beckham didn't show up, people would have said he's holding out. He's playing games. He's holding the Giants at hostage. If when Eric Flowers didn't show up, it was like, oh, he's not competitive. He doesn't want to he doesn't want to win a job. And Damon Harrison doesn't show up. No one has a reason yet. Not for me. Lack of trying. Um, no one has a reason yet. And it's just like, ah, okay. One of the best players in the NFL, uh, isn't here. Uh, it's voluntary, so he doesn't have to be here, but he's not here and no one seems to be reacting to it. He doesn't feel a need to explain why he's not here. Shermer didn't feel a need, said he has a reason to me. That's a big deal. Cause the giants lacked leadership last year. No, any way you cut it, uh, snacks is one of the best players in the NFL. With that, you expect leadership. Uh, obviously, the Giants have brought in some new leaders, Alec Ogletree on defense. I really liked Michael Thomas when I talked to him yesterday. Uh, but uh, to me, Snacks not being here is a big takeaway for, for me, and I'm waiting for the rest of the NFL to realize it's a big deal. Yeah, I think it is as well on one hand. On another hand, I kind of shrug my shoulders at this, right? Because, you know, I covered the Eagles for many years. And last year, that team goes and wins the Super Bowl. There was a really big deal made about Fletcher Cox not being in the building for voluntary OTAs and voluntary offseason workouts. And I think that the key word here is that these things are voluntary. But where I agree with you, Ryan, and think that this could become a big deal, or even on the surface, you know, from just a, a, a an optics standpoint, this is a big deal is unlike Fletcher Cox and unlike the Eagles from a year ago, Snacks Harrison and the Giants 
defense, you said it best. There was a lack of leadership, particularly on that defense last year. This is a new coaching staff. It's a new system. It's an entirely new regime. You would think Snacks Harrison would be here to set an example and be that veteran presence in a locker room that really lacked it last year. So while I think it's not as big a deal that Tom Brady isn't there, and we're going to talk ad nauseum on this podcast today about Odell Beckham's situation, there are reasons Odell Beckham is here and why it's a good thing. There are also reasons that make you scratch your head why he's here in the first place. But with Snacks Harrison, I I think it's kind of twofold here, Ryan. Number one, there really hasn't been an explanation for why he's been absent. And number two, it comes back to the leadership void. And I really think that if the rest of the roster is here and guys like Odell rehabbing an injury, guys like Landon, Landon Collins coming off an injury and rehabbing from forearm surgery, if they're in the building and you are not, To me, that sends a a pretty loud message about you as a leader or lack thereof on this team. Number, th- I'll give you a number three, which is they're learning a new defense. I know Snacks right. played in a three-four with the Jets, and that's kind of how he rose to stardom. But the reason Landon Collins is here is because he wants to learn James Betcher's defense. Well, Snacks needs to learn this defense, even if he thinks you know, even if he thinks it's going to be similar to the Jets. That that's it to me. And let's be clear here: a three B. We don't know that he's not there today, or won't be there for day three. That it wasn't just a one-day absence. Uh, we don't know that yet, but judging on the fact that he wasn't at the pre-draft mini camp either, I, I'm kind of expecting he's a no voluntary guy this off season. Yeah, but I think the next time that we'll see him will be at the mandatory mini camp. But as for the guys that were there, as for what we saw on the field on Monday at Quest Diagnostics, anything jump out to you? Because to me, I think that my two biggest takeaways from that practice were A, and we're going to talk a lot about the quarterbacks. Davis Webb probably has the strongest arm of any quarterback in this camp right now. And B, I'm going to be fascinated to watch the wide receiver position unfold opposite of Odell Beckham Jr., with Sterling Shepard in the slot. That, to me, is going to be fascinating to see what the Giants wind up doing there because that, like unlike any other position on the roster, that spot seems really fluid right now, and it was fluid again on Monday with both Cody Lattimore and Hunter Sharp taking first-team reps. That's kind of what stuck out to me. What were kind of your observations from what we saw on the practice field on Monday? I don't know that they're going to use a lot of three wide receiver sets. I wouldn't be stunned, honestly, if the Giants used a lot of like 12 personnel when the season got started, especially like early in games, you know, if they're not playing from behind or whatever. They have a lot of tight ends. Red Ellison uh, is a guy who played for Shermer in Minnesota, offers some flexibility. Uh, A fullback like uh, maybe 21 personnel with a fullback like Shane Smith. The Vikings used a lot of fullback uh, snaps, 200 or so for their starter last year with Shermer as the play caller. Um, And then obviously Evan Ingram is going to be on the field all the time. And the Giants also have Kyle Carter. Uh, Ryan O'Malley, Jarrell Adams at tight end. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants, who were always in three wide receiver sets under Ben McAdoo, I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't the norm uh, with Shermer. I wouldn't be surprised if it was just uh, Beckham and Shepard on the field a lot of the times as long as they're healthy. That That's my first one, kind of building off your second one. And then my second one is that the defense. I think the defense has a chance to be really good. And the Giants, obviously, listen, when you're in practices, the defense is always, especially early in the season, preseason, the defense is always ahead of the offense. It's a yep. cardinal rule of football practice. Uh, but I think the defense has a chance to be really good, especially when Snacks joins them. Uh with these linebackers who I think are much improved, Ogletree and Goodson, I like that pairing in the middle. 
Uh, I like Lorenzo Carter as a rookie. Um, I like, obviously, Olivier Vernon at going back to the outside linebacker position that he played earlier in his career with Miami. Collins, the secondary. Eli Apple, I thought, was much, much, much matured yesterday. Yes, yep. it was six minutes. And yes, he could have been blowing smoke up our butts. No, uh, but, but while I, he was standing there during those six minutes, Ryan, I, I thought that Eli Apple didn't just take responsibility for what happened last year. I think that he spent this offseason doing a lot of soul searching about what happened in that defensive backs room, the issues that he might have brought to the table. I thought he took ownership of those issues. I thought he turned the page from last year. And it could all be a, a momentary six-minute press conference to get those things you know, Let's, off the table and turn the page, but it really felt like we were talking to a more mature person. And if that translates into a more mature player on the field, that's great news for the Giants. And what's really a position of need outside of Janoris Jenkins, a cornerback. Yeah. Let's just see first, though, what happens in October when the Giants are, you know, down 24 nothing to, you know, Philly or something. And uh, if there's any infighting in that secondary, because you're right, it's nice to say it in May. But now Eli Apple's kind of turned the page. Janoris Jenkins was vehement that that stuff isn't going to happen anymore. They added William Gay, who I think his leadership as a 12 year veteran is invaluable. But let's see what happens actually when the uh, when the pressure is turned up. Yep, we'll certainly see how that plays out throughout the course of the year. And one of the veterans who was in the building and on the field for the first time this offseason on the offensive side of the ball, Ryan, was Eric Flowers. And Flowers didn't just report last week. Flowers didn't just start with the first team at right tackle on Monday. He looked, and, and again, these are practices in shorts and helmets. There are no pads. There's no contact. There's no real blocking up front. But Flowers looked adequate. At right tackle. And afterwards, <laughs> he garnered a lot of praise from Pat Shermer. <laughs> For he looking he at good. <laughs> right, I mean, right. I, I, I can't sit there and say that he's going to flip a switch and he's going yeah. to be an all-pro right tackle after what we've seen on tape from him playing at the left side. But I really think that when you look at this offensive line from Solder to Flowers, I think this has the chance to be one of the most, if not the most improved position group on this team. Maybe yeah. one one of the top five most improved position groups across the NFL from a personnel and output standpoint. And I thought flowers, the fact that there wasn't any real competition with those first team reps, there wasn't any sort of rotation there. I think that's a little bit of a barometer for where we are in this position change, albeit it's very early in the process. Listen, I've been pretty vehement that I thought the Giants should have added another offensive tackle somewhere in the draft. Maybe that fourth round pick that they used. I agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, I thought they should have tried to add one after the draft in free agency where we are right now. Uh, They haven't. So I would have lit more of a fire under flowers. I don't think he's particularly in jeopardy of losing his job to Chad Wheeler or Tyler Howell, no matter if the Giants will make it seem that way. Um, But that being said, right now, he is the second best offensive tackle on the roster. Uh, The second best offensive tackle on the roster usually plays is your starting right tackle. So that is kind of what I expect. You know, here's what I expect to happen. I expect the Giants to start Eric Flowers at right tackle. Barring injury, I expect he'll start there most of the season. If he plays well, then he'll find his way into a, you know, uh, Austin Howard, uh, Patrick O'Mayma-like contract 
with somebody else for three years and 15 million, something like that. And if he doesn't, he'll be one of those guys who bounces around the league for three or four years on different teams, making yep. just making just above the you know minimum for a veteran or whatever. This is really his do or die. I don't think he'll be with the Giants after this year, but I think he'll be their starting right tackle this year. I think so, too. And I, I, I don't know if we're going to see that legitimate competition unfold there at right tackle with Chad Wheeler or anybody else. Um, I guess that we're going to get a, a much clearer glimpse of that come training camp when they do strap the pads on. And when we start to see how Flowers holds up against guys like Olivier Vernon um, in pass protection, how he is as a run blocker on the right side. I'm sure when we talk to Hal Hunter, the offensive line coach, again, come training camp, we'll get a better indication of where he is in his development at the position. But my initial takeaway is, Ryan, I think that I'm much more positive about that change now that Flowers has shown up and taken the field. And I think the Giants getting him back in the building with the quote-unquote clean slate or fresh start that Pat Shermer and the staff have laid out for virtually everybody on the team, I think the Giants might feel a little bit better about Eric Flowers at right tackle today on May 22nd than they might have, let's say, on March 22nd leading into the first voluntary minicamp. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget they tried to trade him during the draft. So, yep. uh, but you know what? If they were desperate to trade him, they, I'm sure, I don't know this obviously, but I'm sure somebody would have taken him for a sixth or seventh round pick. Seems like the Giants wanted more than that, judging by what Gettleman said after the draft when I asked him if they were done after the fifth round. And he said, if they weren't, uh, he wouldn't be he sitting wouldn't there be talking there. to it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he, they obviously weren't even interested in talking a sixth or seventh round pick for flowers. So uh, if they were desperate to get rid of him, I think they could have, uh, they obviously wanted something a little higher. So maybe they think he, uh, maybe now we're seeing that they think uh, what his true value is, was, you know, fine. You don't want him. He'll, he'll start for us. Yep. And I think that that's kind of where the rest of the league was, right? I think that if, if there was a pick to be had or if there was some sort of desperation for Eric Flowers from a need standpoint on the market, the Giants would have pulled the trigger. But I think the rest of the league got wise to, OK, if you don't trade him, you're either going to start him or release him. So I'm not going to give you an asset for that yeah. type of player. They can't so we'll see how that him. plays out. They can't release him. Yeah, not not on that just, contract. No, you get no cap uh, space. It's all dead money. You can't really, I, uh, uh, again, I'll like, I went nuts about picking quarterbacks back to back years. I'll go nuts. If you release him, cause just bury him on your roster. Just put him as the 10th offensive lineman. If he's that bad. Yep. And another uh, offensive player who was on the field, albeit in a limited capacity, we saw him go through some individual drills, just like we saw him go through some individual drills during the, the voluntary mini camp last month, uh, was Odell Beckham Jr. And there was a lot of talk. You were there in Orlando, Ryan, where um, it, it seemed like we were headed in a direction where the Giants were legitimately entertaining trade offers in the draft for Odell Beckham Jr., that uh, this was when that controversial video surfaced. And it looked like there was a chance that Odell, without a contract, if the Giants didn't trade him, wasn't going to step foot on the field for these voluntary workouts, for these voluntary practices. But fast forward a month and a half, and the Giants hadn't traded Odell Beckham Jr. during the draft. He's not only on the roster, but he's here. And again, we can get back to the conversation of Tom Brady not being at OTAs, other veterans taking off for OTAs. But I really think Odell Beckham Jr. is a special case. And just like I thought that it was 
an olive branch and a gesture of good faith and goodwill that he showed up at the voluntary minicamp. I think he's continuing that trend by showing up and being in the building and around his teammates and rehabbing with the Giants medical staff during these voluntary workouts with the clear intention of getting a new contract based on good behavior and trying to put his best foot forward. That's the only reason he's here, in my opinion. Yes. Well, listen, you know what I thought was interesting? Uh, And this will be the third time now that I use this word play. But um, everybody was worried about hold out, hold out, hold out. The thing it seems like is the Giants have to hold back Odell Beckham, not hold out, hold back. He is desperate to get on the field. Even Pat Shermer said they have to, like, hold him back from doing too much too soon. Um, So, yes, I think he's here right now because it's an act of good faith and he realizes – you know, if he doesn't cause a distraction and, you know, he stays out of trouble and he doesn't cause headaches for Gettleman and Shermer, then he's probably about to get, you know, a nine figure deal. Um, so I think he probably realizes that. But I wouldn't also discount the idea that after not playing a football game since October, this guy who, by all accounts, loves football. And that's a cliche yeah. that's overused. Not everybody in the NFL loves football, everybody. Just letting you know, not everybody at this level loves football. Uh, Odell loves football. And I think he might just be itching to, you know, catch passes and run routes and be around the teammates. I, I wouldn't oversell that part of it. No, I, I don't disagree, but I also think this is a this is a business decision first and foremost for Odell. And, and honestly, Ryan, I think it's going to pay off for him because if, if you're going to, we can go back to the draft. If you're going to pass on one of the quarterbacks and take Saquon Barkley, you're doing it for two reasons. Number one, in the short term, you think that you can compete with Eli Manning at quarterback. And number two, in the long term, you're setting up your offense with Beckham and Shepard and Ingram and Barkley to drop, whether it's Davis Webb or Kyle Loletta or a first round quarterback that you trade up for sometime in the next two years into a tailor-made, ready-made offense from a talent standpoint, and having Odell Beckham locked up for the long term, to me, rounds out that strategy and sets you up for a really bright future. And if he continues down this path of being a good teammate, being a good leader, showing up, minding his P's, minding his Q's, I think the Giants have to take care of him. I think they have to sign him, get that deal done sooner rather than later before the wide receiver market explodes. Let me ask you this. Nothing changes, okay? Um, the Giants and him have no serious negotiation talks. They don't appear close, and he doesn't do anything stupid on the uh, on the field, off the field, you know, headline worthy. But and it's whatever day the Giants are going to report for training camp, late July, July twenty eighth, and um, he hasn't done anything stupid, and there's no progress. He doesn't hold it. He doesn't show up, and he begins a holdout. Do you blame him? Not at all. Not one bit. Because okay. I think that he's done everything during this offseason to set himself up for that new deal. And if I'm his agent, I don't think that I send him to training camp okay. without the security of a long term contract in hand. Even if he doesn't even if the Giants tell me he doesn't have to play in any preseason games. That's guaranteed. He doesn't have to. He just has to practice. You still won't blame him. Well, then show me the money, right? Because okay. to me, if he gets hurt in week one or week two, yeah. then, then all of a sudden he's Allen Robinson. Then all of a sudden he's a player that has to yeah. sign a one-year prove-it deal coming off of back-to-back injuries if he gets hurt, right? Rather than the long-term security of a mega contract that you could have in hand and put this all behind you. Gotcha.
Okay. Uh, I'm probably with you. I'm probably on that boat. Um, though I do think, you know, I do think the Giants wouldn't be wrong to say, let's see what your ankles got. Run some real routes and we'll talk a week into training camp. So Yeah, and, and there's something to be said for that too, but it's not like the ankle fell off, right? I mean, he still I mean, has, it was shattered. has an ankle. From what I've heard, it was shattered. It wasn't the same as like Brandon Marshall's broken ankle or ankle injury. It, from what I've heard, it was pretty shattered. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not like it fell off. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll see how that all plays out. And certainly that's going to be one of the, the themes that hangs over this offseason and could even drift into training camp. But as it does, Ryan, there are a lot of other players down the roster who are getting extra reps. Cody Latimer for one, Hunter Sharp for two. Um, you have a lot of really young receivers. They just signed apparently Russell Shepard um, off the street last night. So to me, I think that having Odell in the building and opening the door for some of these other players to get reps, I think there's real benefit there. And, and just talking to Cody Latimer during rookie minicamp, or excuse me, uh, voluntary minicamp last month, and now here we are um, watching this OTA practice, I think there's a player there. I think there's a player waiting to show himself in Cody Latimer. And the more that you can get him on the field, perhaps he walks into that number three wide receiver role. And even if it's not him, I think there is value for these young players to get reps and get quality tape in Beckham's absence. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, look, the they had Victor Cruz in 16. They had Brandon Marshall when 17 actually mattered for a month. Um so they don't have that proven guy. So that to me, I've been saying all along, I think that's a big hole on this team. But again, if they're going to do 12 or 21 personnel, then it might not be as big a deal as Giants fans have come to expect in the uh, era of Eli Manning and 4,000 yard passing. I think you're going to see a lot of the beauty for sports writers is our games might be over by like 3:45 because uh, oh, wouldn't that I, be nice? <laughs> I think the Giants. I think the Giants are going to run, run, run in 12 and 21 personnel. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said for that as well, especially if you're going to run with a fullback uh, or with two tight ends on the field. Penn State never had a fullback, so you never saw Saquon Barkley out of that type of formation or even with the quarterback under center. So if you're going to do that, it, it certainly has a chance to elevate his skill set even to another level. Um, now, now the question comes down to beyond Eli Manning over the next two years, Who's the quarterback after that, right? And and I think that we're kind of in agreement here that watching these first practices, I think Davis Webb has a real opportunity not just to be Eli's backup in 2018, but if he continues to show the arm strength and continues to show the accuracy and the touch passes on those back shoulder throws into the end zone, I don't know that the opportunity isn't cracked open for yeah. Davis Webb to be the quarterback of the future. And I think he has a better chance right now than Kyle Loretta, even though it wasn't this staff that took Kyle Loretta or excuse me, Davis Webb um, and, dra- and and scouted Davis Webb re- leading up to the draft last year. Yeah, let, let's be clear about something. Though. Neither you nor I was at OTA number one and rookie minicamp for the Giants last year. So we don't know what right. Davis look Webb looked like at the stage where Kyle Laletta is. Kyle Laletta's arm strength has concerned me just like it concerned people before the draft. I haven't he hasn't wowed me with the zip on his passes the first three times I've seen him live. Uh, I like everything about him when he stands at the podium. I like his answers. Uh, I like the way he approaches things. Everybody says he's super smart. He comes off that way. Uh, but yes, Davis Webb has impressed me more. He looks a full year ahead of Kyle Laletta, if that makes sense. You you want to put them in the category of neither has taken a regular season snap and both are, you know, 
young quarterbacks or however you want to group them together to me watching them live davis webb if you didn't know who they were if you didn't know their names or their backgrounds you would say that guy's a year ahead of that guy for sure if you took the numbers off the jerseys ryan and you just had you know the old red beanies that we all wore in gym class growing up i don't know that davis webb wouldn't be the best overall quarterback in camp right now, just from an optics standpoint. And again, he's never taken an NFL snap. He's never gone against the live bullets of an NFL defense. But from a poise standpoint, from an accuracy standpoint, an arm strength standpoint, if I just were ranking these guys based on the eye test of what I've seen in these practices, I think Davis Webb has been the best quarterback in camp so far. Yeah, I mean, again, it's uh, it's been three, four practices, right? Three pre-draft and this. But yeah, I mean, Eli Manning certainly looks rusty. I mean, that's been, you know, that hasn't been a uh, secret that he looks rusty and Davis Webb looks, you know, Davis Webb has been uh, praised time and time again for taking the playbook as soon as Shermer got there, learning it on his own, uh, digesting it, being, you know, being a student of the game, not that Eli wasn't, of course, you expect, I guess here's the difference. You expect that from Eli Manning. It's like, oh, okay. It's, it's noteworthy to hear from Davis Webb. So, uh, so yes, it wouldn't surprise me. I think Webb's been good in practice, but I mean, let's call it what it is. The Giants are going to, this is, there is no quarterback controversy. No, no, no. And I, and, and I guess I'm not trying to to create any sort of quarterback controversy or even drama at this point. But I, I guess the overall point that I'm trying to make here is that in the short term, Eli Manning, given his pedigree, given his track record, I think you're going to see a vastly improved offense after signing Nate Solder and Patrick Omame and drafting Barkley. I think that in the short term, you're going to see an improved offense and therefore an improved Eli Manning this year from what we saw last season. But in the long term, I just think there's real opportunity there for Davis Webb if he continues to grow and develop throughout the course of this training camp and regular season with whatever limited reps he gets, that you might not have to focus on the quarterback over the next couple of drafts. Yeah, I, wa- I wonder if Davis, w- it, if you, <laughs> it's almost like you're saying they didn't need to draft a quarterback in the fourth round of the draft, Matt. It's almost, it's, <laughs> it's almost like somebody should have said that as soon as it happened. That's almost. Hey, a, a, I, I think hey, I know oh, a guy. Where, where, where have I heard that before? Where have I, I read almost, that before? I don't know. It's almost like it's almost like that should have been the instantaneous reaction. I don't know. I I feel like it might have been. And along those lines, the instant reaction to that pick, instant reaction to what we've seen so far. Um, Give me, as we sit here recording this podcast on May 22nd, um, your best case scenario and worst case scenario for the Giants based on what we've seen so far. Well, let's alternate. Let's alternate. I'll go best case. You go best case. Okay. my best case scenario, everything breaks. So this is, let's be clear about this. This is everything. Break, and listen, no, you're going to have injuries in football, of course. But this is everything breaks right. The Giants mostly avoid injuries to serious, pl- to, to uh, big time players. And they perform well in the close games. And what Best case scenario, I'd say the Giants are one of the final four teams in the NFC. So, you know, they lose in the divisional, wow. the divisional round. Of wow. The Not only make the postseason, win a playoff game. You're saying best case scenario is okay. 
is they're the five seed and they beat the four seed before, you know, losing to the Eagles or the Saints and the Vikings in the second round. That's that's fair. Um, that's certainly a high ceiling. Um, listen, excuse I, me, I've done. The, excuse me. They're the five. They're the five seed and they beat the four seed. I said. Gotcha. That, right? Yeah, that's. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So so my best case scenario is. is Similar to yours, except I take postseason off the table because wow, no, 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 not, not to, this is the Saquon Barkley fatherhood sucks. But uh, oh wait, I said that wrong from the podium the other day. Uh, I, I take what happens. Oh yeah, he said fatherhood. <laughs> and then he rounded back and said because he can't be around his daughter as much. Yeah, as he yada, yada yada yada. Uh, so so. Here's my best case, and I've done multiple schedule breakdowns. We talked about it on um, our video post after the NFL draft. I legitimately think there are 10 wins to be had on the Giants' schedule. That's if everybody stays healthy. That's if Eli Manning returns the form of what we've seen the last couple of years. You don't lose a game that you're supposed to win. You win a game that maybe you weren't favored to win. I think the Giants can win 10 games. And whatever happens in the postseason happens. But I think best case scenario, this team goes 10 and 6 and makes the playoffs. And I think that anybody who was given that outcome after what happened a year ago, I think you say, you know what, that was a pretty good year, and that that shows that there could be a bright future with the players that are in place here. Yeah, two different guys who joined the team this year, William Gay and Josh Morrow, both made a point of telling me that they signed here as free agents because they don't think this is a three and thirteen team. They think there's way too much talent here. They both. Jonathan uh, Stewart said that you know he wants to win a Super Bowl. He yeah. hasn't done that yet, but he wants to so, win. A- so listen, that might be guys who didn't have a lot of options, right. get, you know, giving you the company line, but that also might be guys who have played a lot of NFL games, recognizing when a team is three and 13 bad, like say the Colts are three and 13 bad and recognizing the giants were three and 13 bad because of a bunch of stuff that went wrong. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the worst case scenario. We'll go. You're up first. Gloom. You're up first. I'm up first. I, went first. And gloom. I went first last time. Yeah. All right. Doom and gloom. Worst case scenario. Uh, everything Eric, goes wrong. Everything goes wrong. Eric Flowers is a disaster at right tackle. Odell Beckham Jr. Isn't the same wide receiver. They don't sign him to a long-term contract. He holds out. It's a disastrous training camp. Pat Shermer never finds his footing with the offense. Um, I, I think that this team can do no worse than five and 11, wow. six and 10. Okay. Okay. Every, so to me, I'll go worse. I'll go three and 13 again. And, you know, Davis Webb is starting games by like week 12. Uh, and you know, the Eli Manning era is over. That is my worst case scenario. They're three and 10, three and nine and going nowhere. And Shermer and Gettleman make the tough decision to, Put Webb in, put Webb as the starter and, you know, part ways really with Eli. Uh, And, you know, then Davis Webb obviously would have, you know, would struggle the way any rookie quarterback struggles. And especially with the season that's already down the tubes by the time he goes in there. Correct. That they'd limp to uh, limp to a three and 13 finish for the second straight year. And then, you know experts will wonder why they didn't pick, you know, Sam Darnold who leads the Jets to a 9 and 7 second place finish in the AFC East. Yeah, that and, and that will scenario. be hopefully and, nobody hopefully none of our listeners just crash their cars hearing that worst case scenario of Darnold leading the Jets to a 9 and 7 record. 
Yeah, and that will certainly set the stage for a lot of conversations about what the Jets did in the draft and what the Giants did in the draft. But, um, Ryan, let's also, um, you know, answer some questions. Because, as always, uh, on Twitter, I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. He's at R.Y. Dunleavy. And, of course, the podcast is at Talk is Cheap NYG. We created a mailbag. We threw out uh, the request for questions. And anytime 55 checks in, he's at I hate dead ends. Um, he asked, I hate, I hate dead, dead ends, ends well. too. I hate, yeah. I hate them too. And I hate when they, people call them cul-de-sacs. That's even worse. <laughs> hey, I live in a cul-de-sac. Come on. Yeah, so, uh, come on. <laughs> live on a dead end. Yeah, I, I live on a dead end, certainly. Uh, he asks, will Saquon Barkley be returning kickoffs and punts anytime during OTAs? Yep. Any competition at kicker? I'm not confident in Rosas. Uh, short answer to the first question is, no, he is a head coach in Pat Shermer, unlike James Franklin at Penn State, who isn't afraid to tell him no. I don't think that you put your number two overall pick and potential face of your offense returning punts and kicks during the regular season, let alone in practice. Yes, no, I don't think there's any. That's, you have guys on the bottom of your 53-man roster to do that. Khalif Raymond, Hunter Sharp, uh, those kind of guys I think will be doing maybe one of the cornerbacks. Um, maybe Wayne Gallman at yeah, some maybe, point you throw yeah. him back there. Yes, I don't think any chance Saquon Barkley is doing either of those things. But the Giants did have Odell Beckham returning punts at one point. So I think those days are probably over too. Yep, no, I agree. Uh, As for the kicker, I'll let you address that one because I have my thoughts on that, but I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, I think Marshall Cowan, I think is how you pronounce it. I think uh, he's competition. I mean, look, the Giants have made a ton of roster moves, right? They've cut, you know, guys before, you know, cut. they let, you know, cut guys before free agency. They cut guys during free agency. They cut guys just recently, right before this mini camp, and he's made all those cuts. So clearly, they think he's in-house competition on the cheap for for Marshall. And then don't be surprised if they bring in. Last year, I think it was Mike Nugent. This year could be, you know, any one of a handful of other guys. Uh, uh, the guy from San Diego jumps out at me, and I can't think of his name right now. Um, the kicker who was in with the chargers for a long time. Uh, he, uh, you know, that kind of guy, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in a veteran in like mid July. Uh, yeah, I agree. And, and here's my thing on the kicker position, Ryan, I don't think that the kicker's on the roster at the moment. I, I think that the giants are in a position where, Rosas isn't exactly an established kicker, hasn't done a whole lot, you know, in his career. I think that the Giants will find their starting kicker sometime over the summer in a veteran who comes off the street. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Yep. Uh, let's wait for Twitter to load here on me here. Ryan, do you have Twitter up? Because for whatever reason, my Twitter is frozen. Okay, I got it. So here's the second question we got uh, in the mailbag. Please clear up my confusion about the linebackers are deployed in the 3-4 defense. The middle guys shoot the gaps, play the run, and cover crossing passes. The edge sets the the edge linebacker sets the edge, and the other linebackers play like a defensive end. Uh, so here in a 3-4 defense, the ends the defensive ends guys like T Tomlinson and Kerry Wynn are considered interior linemen a lot of the times because the Giants will have what's actually a five-man front with two outside linebackers Kareem Martin Lorenzo Carter Olivier Vernon actually standing up on the edge of it there are pass rushers and the ends the the guys who are the outside of the three in the three four are actually like run stoppers along with uh along with uh, snacks in the middle. Though Josh Morrow said that Betcher, he played for Betcher in, 
Arizona. He said Betcher's 3-4 is a little different because they throw a lot of different looks at you, and sometimes the the ends also are pass rushers and not just guys who stand on the line of scrimmage and absorb blocks. So that might be a little different than what you're used to seeing in a three, four defense. Yeah. And I think that it's going to be very similar in that, you know, they're going to give you different looks on almost every snap. I think there will be some elements of a four, three. I think there will be some snaps when you only do have three down linemen. I think they're going to spend a decent amount of time, just like every NFL team does in the nickel based on how many teams like to stretch defenses thin with three and four wide receivers on the field at the same time. That was from at Babka. And here's our last one from at Carlos from Phila. I'm going to guess you know him from Phila. Um, how do we really expect Hernandez to be as a rookie? His stats in college look good, but what happens when he sees NFL DTs as a 22-year-old? Do we know enough to confidently predict how he'll do in 2018? All right. First of all, I don't know what stats an offensive guard had in college. Uh, certainly not team stats because UTEP went 0-12. Um, but look, obviously his stats at the combine were fantastic. I mean, he, he was a he was a athletic and strong freak at the NFL combine. Uh, look, to me, Matt, I the hardest position for me to evaluate as a football writer is offensive line, even harder on the interior at offensive guard than at offensive tackle. Um, I don't know that I'll be able to tell you even during the season how he's playing without talking to coaches and teammates about him. But yeah. um, but do I think do I think we can confidently predict that he'll be the starting guard when the season comes? Yeah. I mean, the giants are super high on him and I assume if they're super high on him, it's because of what they're seeing on the field. I don't yeah, know. I agree. And I think that you can look back at pro football focus grades and we can look back at the fact that going into the draft, he was graded out as the number two offensive guard uh, behind Quentin Nelson, who some believe could be a generational prospect at the guard position and maybe even a future Hall of Famer. The Giants wound up getting the second best guard in a lot of people's opinions in the second round. Um, so I think that's where maybe we could talk about, quote unquote, stats for a guard. Yeah. Um, but as far as my expectations for him go, I think he'll be a starter. I think that he's going to play at a high level. I didn't see anything um, in, you know, watching film after the Giants took him to make me think that he's going to struggle with his transition to the NFL. And the other thing is, from an attitude standpoint, uh, I, a, I think you're going to take the words right out of my mouth. Go. He's an angry, fiery competitor, and he got in a fight. Uh, the first rep. On the, the first rep. So there's this story, right? That sports of Mike Garofolo, who used to work for us and now does a tremendous job for NFL Network, uh, and other guys who were covering the Giants back in Eli's rookie year, 04, tell a story about how Eli's first ever practice uh, pass hit like a tackling dummy or something. And, you know, obviously it's hilarious because look what he's become. Um, I think may, there's a chance that, you know, 10 years from now, when Will Hernandez is like a Chris Snee type Giants great, uh, we'll be talking about the, how his first rep with the first team, he started out with the second team. Yep. And then his first rep with his first with the first team, he went right after B.J. Goodson and, you know, grabbed his face mask and started a scuffle. We had he a real scuffle yesterday. Anybody. 
Yeah, and I think that that's what you want out of your offensive guard. You want a nasty road grader who's not afraid to, you know, uh, muck it up with a veteran. And we saw that on the first rep of his first practice. So I think that Will Hernandez has the chance to be a player. Uh, Ryan, any final thoughts um, as we wrap up the first OTA and wrap up this version of the podcast? No, no, no final thoughts. It's uh I took a vacation of Florida last week and it rained every single day and I came back to New Jersey and it was 80 and sunny for the first OTA. So I think that's my boss telling me no more vacations. And and I'll blame you for today's rainy weather as well. Uh, We're going to try to get these out to you frequently throughout the rest of the offseason program after OTAs, after the mini camps, give you a feel for what's going on inside the Quest Diagnostic Training Center, what we're seeing at practice. We appreciate you listening, but if you haven't subscribed, we'd love for you to go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, throw us a like on YouTube, check us out on SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play. Make sure to follow Ryan on Twitter at R.Y. Dunleavy. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. And if you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review. Please let us know what you liked. That's going to help the show grow, move up the podcast rankings, and hopefully we can get you some guests between now and the regular season as well. So, Ryan, yeah, go ahead. And don't don't forget, just because OTA are not the media won't be back at the OTAs till Tuesday Matt and I'll still have you covered with plenty of Giants uh coverage all week I've got interviews left over with William Gay Michael Thomas and a really interesting story on Sean Chandler an undrafted free agent who's making some noise uh in the Giants that I'll have out later this week so I, I we'll both have really good content all week uh leading up to the second OTA that media can see He's Ryan Dunleavy. I'm Matt Lombardo. Thanks for listening to the Talk is Cheap podcast, and we'll see you on NJ.com.